Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Hey there, everybody. Pastor Matt here from Roots Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm going to welcome you to this week's message. We are in week three of the Wisdom Series, which is completely based out of the book of Proverbs, and we're going to continue on in that this week. So if you remember last week, Solomon paints this image in our minds of wisdom. He kind of gives it like a mental picture and a mental illustration, and he compares wisdom to an elegant, classy, beautiful woman that we referred to as Lady Wisdom. He describes that she's out there available for everyone. Come to me. I'll share with you my knowledge. I'll impart to you the things that I know. But people, they kind of get laser focused on their own thing. They become selfish. They become self-centered and they reject her and begin to live in the way that they think is best for themselves. And it's not a wise way of living. In this illustration, we see that Lady Wisdom begins to back away from people until they just start to reap the benefits of their own poor decisions and stupidity. After this picture has been painted, Solomon starts to kind of ramp up the intensity a little bit. And here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. He says, My child, Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Up until this point, Solomon has been repeating himself. He has been constantly reminding the, he's talking to his son here. So he says he's constantly reminding his son, listen up, listen to what I'm saying. Give me your undivided attention. Pay attention. Do not let your mind wander when we're talking about these things. Don't let your eyes roll back in your head and think, oh my goodness, I don't, I don't know what to think about all of this. Don't lose your focus right now because I'm about to impart some gems to you that don't need to be forgotten as you go forward and as you grow in your wisdom. I had something like this happen this week because I am not a mechanically inclined person, but uh, one of the guys in our church is. And so I called him because I was having a a problem with one of our vehicles, and he began to detail out what I needed to do, and he would give me very intelligent and informed uh, step-by-step things to check what the problem was. And as he began to go through, my eyes began to cross, my head began to, you know, kind of hurt for a second because this is not my gifting. And it was something that I didn't understand what he was saying. And so I kind of, um, I kind of was trying to grasp what he was telling me because it was great information, but I just, I just couldn't keep up. This is not the time to allow that to happen in you. This is the time where you need to double down and focus. This is what Paul, or I'm sorry, what what Solomon is telling his son. And he's telling him, listen up. I'm about to give you some serious things that you need to remember. And then after he has 
painted this picture. He's ramped up the intensity. He's got you where he wants you. Your attention is on him, listening to the words that are coming out of his mouth. Then he has uh, one of the biggest Old Testament mic drops that we can come across. Proverbs 4, verses 23. He says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course of your life. When we say heart, we're not talking about your feelings. We're not talking about your your emotions. We're talking about the decision point, the point of belief that is deep inside of you that informs every decision that you make. I did some study this week and ran across a commentary by someone named John Gill. And this is what he says about the heart and how he describes it on what Solomon's presenting to us here today. Here's what he says. The heart is the seat from where all actions of life are derived. It is the seat of spiritual life. The principle of it is formed in the heart. It is the place where all spiritual and vital actions flow, which lead unto an issue in eternal life. If the heart is right, so will the actions of men be. They're regulated and dominated by it. They will then spring from right principles and be directed to right ends and performed with right views. Great care, therefore, should be taken of the heart, since so much depends on it, and it is so well known to God, who is the searcher of it. This reminded me of another scripture in 1 Samuel 16, 7, where it says, The Lord said to Samuel the prophet, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. In an older translation, it says, <clears throat> in Jeremiah 17, 10, it says this, But I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. And then even later in Proverbs, Solomon says again, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The heart is something that God mentions throughout all of Scripture, both the the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is an importance that God is drawing to the heart, the decision maker, the place where every action of your life flows from this area. It's not just relegated to the Old Testament. 1,000 years after these words are written by Solomon in the New Testament, the brother of Jesus, James, writes this in James 1, 14-15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. When we're talking about the heart, what we're talking about is the place of most importance of your life. 
It is not anything that is seen. It is the place where decisions are made and finalized. It uses the thoughts. It uses the senses. It uses the emotions that we're feeling to process and then make a determination on how we're going to act or what we're going to say in any certain situation. This scripture we just read here in James talks about how when temptation comes for people, it's not some outside thing. It's very normal to hear people say something like, oh, you know, that temptation, it just got me when they participated in some sinful activity. Oh, that temptation was just too great. I couldn't get away from it this time. But the temptation outside of you is not the culprit. The culprit is what we allow to reside in our heart. If the outside force is not, uh, or this temptation that's outside of you doesn't relate to you, then you don't act on it. You cannot tempt me, I've said this before, you cannot tempt me with a big bowl of broccoli. It will not tempt me to get off of my eating plan. What will tempt me is a big old huge piece of hot dripping pepperoni pizza. That would be a temptation for me because I have a desire for the pizza, not for the broccoli. The outside temptation is nothing more than a revelation of what your heart has an appetite for. What he's telling us here is that your environment can produce an opportunity to sin, but ultimately you control what happens because it's in your heart. With all of this, with all of this focus on the heart, with all of this Uh, time and energy spent by Solomon and throughout the rest of the Bible to focus on our heart and to warn us about the condition of our heart. We need to make sure that we're paying attention. We need to make sure that we're asking the right question. And here is a massive question all of us need to answer. That question is, who or what has your heart who or what has access to influence you in a way that would shift or impact the decisions of your life why does it matter that we identify who or what has our heart or has access to our heart because what we just read here in solomon Our heart will determine the direction of our life. Some of us have stayed close in close proximity to something, some situation or someone because they are appeasing or stroking the sin that we've allowed to live in our hearts like a pet. We are surrounded by people that even though we know they're probably not having a good influence on us, there is a desire in us to maintain some kind of connection because of a sin that is in us. And in doing so, we've allowed these people access to influence our decision. They have a portion of our heart. 
But here, the wisest man, not named Jesus, to ever live is telling us, protect, guard, do not give up your heart to just anything or anyone. You have to make sure that you are guarding this wildly carefully because it term it determines the course of your life. Truth be told, this passage uh, bugs me a little. It used to. I spent a long time in my life where I wanted God to tell me, give me the instructions. What is my next step going to be? And I wanted and I waited for him to say something. And if he didn't say anything or I didn't feel like he was you know, communicating to me in a way that I thought was uh, beneficial or that I understood or that I wanted, I would just stay still. I kind of resigned myself that I'm not doing anything. I'm not going in any direction until God tells me or communicates in some way that this is the way that I'm supposed to go. But this passage doesn't say that I have to wait for step-by-step instructions from God before I make some kind of move in my life. It doesn't, that the course of my life is not determined because I had uh, the 10 next steps drawn out on a piece of paper by God and he delivered to my mailbox yesterday. No, the course of my life is determined by my heart. If my heart is for God, wanting to please him, wanting to obey his word, wanting to follow his command, if my heart has been transformed to the place where I want to serve others more than I want to serve my own interest, where I want to give more than I want to get, if there is a change in my heart, then what's going to come from me, the decisions I'm going to, uh, to make, these things, these steps I'm going to take are going to be informed by God's spirit. Spirit. And then that heart that is connected to him will now choose things differently. It'll choose a different path than I would have chosen on my own accord. The weight of the responsibility of a choice really sits on me after I read verse 23. Guard your heart because from it is determined the course of your life. There is some massive responsibility given to us as human beings by God when we are given the responsibility and the opportunity to make a decision. Then Solomon continues to narrow down the focus. He continues to draw a closer point on what he's trying to say. And so we continue on. Proverbs 4, verse 24 through 27. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So as soon as he ramps up the intensity, as soon as he has our attention, as soon as he starts to say, you need to guard your heart, the next thing he says is, watch what's coming out of your mouth. Why? Why is it important that we pay attention to the words that come out of our mouth? Matthew 12, 34. 
This is Jesus talking to some people. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the overflow of what's here is what comes out of your mouth. If you're an angry, bitter person, if you've held on to offense in your heart, then guess what kind of words are going to come out of your mouth? Angry, bitter, and offensive. Your words reflect your heart. Words from a wounded heart lash out. Words from a calloused heart degrade others. Words from a jealous heart provoke. And words from a pure heart bless others. Watch what you say. And then he says, keep your vision focused ahead of you. Straight ahead. Don't let your eyes wander. Don't welcome the temptation of others into your mind. Don't be distracted by things that may be uh, temptations for you to participate in some kind of sin. Keep your eyes on the things that are promoting your God-honoring future. Keep on the path of the straight and narrow. Don't follow the lead of others when they are doing evil. And Solomon lays it on thick here because he's setting us up for what's coming next. Watch your mouth. Don't be distracted by all these things that can pull you in a different worldly direction. Keep your focus singular and ahead. Don't be wandering off and and wasting and destroying time. And here's what he's setting up for. He's setting us up for. Last week we talked about Lady Wisdom, but this week Solomon paints another picture of a different woman. And it's not Lady Wisdom. It's the immoral woman. Proverbs 5, 1 through 6. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, She is as bitter as poison and dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize it. This is not Solomon's indictment on women. This is not the fact that only women are immoral and out there, you know, tempting men to participate with them. And, you know, men are fine without the influence of an immoral woman. No, he's talking to his son here. So that's why he chooses these specific roles. The focus here isn't the gender. Although, make no mistake, there are only two of those. The focus here is the immoral portion. People who are immoral, and in this case, this immoral woman, talk a good game. They're smooth with their words. They got lines. They got things that they say that are flattering and flirtatious and inviting. They 
can speak in a way where they can try to lure you in a little bit closer with a little bit of charm, a little bit of mystery. <clears throat> but although when we talk about that, it might seem a little humorous, but Solomon does something really serious here. He makes a statement that should kind of grip us to our core. He says that this type of person cares nothing about the path to life. They care nothing about it. And what is the path to life? The fear of God. That is the beginning of all knowledge, of understanding and wisdom, like we read in chapter 1. And this person who is given to immoral actions, the one who wants to lure you into some type of immoral situation, these people care nothing about what's right and wrong. They don't care about God, and they don't really care about you. I want to kind of pause real quick here and just talk to the men for a second. And I want to address uh, the red pill movement. If you're not really sure what the red pill movement is, it's kind of um, uh, some people in the culture's um, response to far left weird wokeism, <clears throat> like that whole woke mindset. There's a section of people who are fighting that, and they call them the red pill community. They are the Andrew Tates of the world. They are the Kevin Samuels. They are the rise of the, 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 the re, re, or the resurrection of a, the alpha male, the cool guy, the super dude. These people talk about the, the ills of this ideology and they do so correctly. They diagnose the problem very well, but their prescription or their antidote for the problem is 100% wrong. They don't discourage immorality. They actually encourage it. If all these women are going to be doing all this crazy stuff online and they're going to be, you know, holding OnlyFans accounts and doing all this weird, you know, perverted sexual stuff, then um, forget it. I'm not going to marry them and give somebody like that, you know, access to half of everything I own. I'm just going to go out here and live my own immoral life and and um, but it'll be on my terms. I'm not going to be manipulated by you. And I'm just going to be one of those those um, high quality, uh, uh, high value men. I call them the six man, the six foot six figures and six pack, which is what all these people are are, quote unquote, looking for as a high value person. And they describe this. You know, this is, you know, when they talk, they're talking about the manosphere and they they talk about all these things in this red pill movement. But even though these men have diagnosed the problem correctly, they are treating it with something that makes it worse. Immorality. And what you'll find is that most of these people, or if not all of them, will openly tell you they don't really have a care about the one true God. You may say, well, some of these guys, they do talk about God. They talk about you know, really wanting to, to, to connect to God because he is an authority figure and they see God as kind of on the same kind of plane as them, like this big, you know, he's all masculine all the time. But they're not talking about the God of the Bible. We must be careful 
who we listen to because if they influence our heart, they can actually change or nudge us in a direction that is different than what God would invite us to participate in. Solomon continues on in chapter 5, verse 7 through 15. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. Stay away from her. He's talking about the immoral woman. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say how I hated discipline if only I had not ignored all the warnings. Well, why, do, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I have come to the brink of utter ruin and now I must face public disgrace. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Solomon lays it out pretty plainly here. Stay away from this immoral woman. Stay away from people who constantly invite you or tempt you or open the door for you to participate in something that is immoral. Notice Solomon didn't say, you know, it's all right to be around her. Just don't sleep with her. If you want to hang out together, you know, secretly meet for lunch or flirt around in the office or, you know, at the restaurant or the gym or wherever you go and see this person. You want to laugh together and build a solid friendship. Oh, that's okay. As long as you're not sleeping with her, that's fine. Nope. He doesn't say that. He says, don't even get close to these people. Do not have anything to do with them. Men, If there is someone who is flirting with you, even a little, when it's obvious that you're married, that is the description of the immoral woman Solomon's telling us about here. And they care nothing about your marriage or you. And more importantly, they care nothing about God and the path that he has laid out for all of us to walk. Let me bring this into a modern context. Solomon says, stay off the doorstep of her house. Don't even walk by it. Don't even try to see what's going on with them. Um, In a modern context, you might be like, well, that's creepy. I'm not driving by her house. Um, So let me draw that a little bit uh, more close to what we're dealing with in 2023. How about don't visit their Instagram page? Don't look them up on social media. Don't double tap and like that post. Don't give passively for flirtatious comments under their pictures. Don't slide into their DMs. Don't even speak to them, even if it's through digital communication. Solomon is saying that these people have laid a trap for you. They don't care about you. They care about fulfilling their own lustful sin. And more importantly, they do not care about God. It could lead you, as Solomon says, to contracting a disease. That disease or those things can shorten your life. Interactions with an immoral woman could ruin your honor, destroy your trust, cost you your reputation. It 
will end in regret eventually. And I know I've been talking to men here, but women, it's the same for you. If the guy looks a certain way that your husband used to, if he is humorous in a way with you that your husband used to be, and that fire at home has kind of died down a little bit on the romantic end, and you're kind of looking out there, and they are inviting you into a place to have a little bit more than just a, you know, a co-worker relationship, just a, a, a little bit deeper. They're breaking that touch barrier ever so gently. I want to make sure that you hear me loud and clear. Stay away from these people. Let me rephrase that. Let me make sure you hear what the wisest man to ever live is saying to you. Stay away from those people. We stay away from the immoral person, but we also don't become the immoral person. In this illustration that Solomon's giving for his son, He's saying there's these outside forces that are going to lure you into certain temptations. They're going to open up an opportunity for you to be unfaithful to your husband or to your wife. But on the flip side of that coin, I also want to give us a, a proper warning as well. Don't become the immoral person. Don't become the one who opens the door for someone else because you've you've neglected guarding your own heart and you're full of the sin, full of the lust, full of the temptation that you are trying, that you've been instructed by Solomon and God's word to reject. Don't become that person. Stop sending out the signals to the guy at work or the gym or God forbid at church. Make sure that we guard our own heart so that we don't fall prey to these people that are immoral and we also don't become people that lure others into the immorality we have allowed to exist. Proverbs 5, 21 through 23. For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are the ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for the lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. If I were to paint a picture for you myself, I'd paint a picture of a person who is out here doing all these immoral things. And there's a lot of celebrities a lot of musicians, a lot of influencers, a lot of people who are have fame for some some of them for no reason. There's no reason for them to be famous other than that they're famous. They're living this immoral, openly immoral life. They don't care what anyone says. They don't care what anyone thinks. They sure as heck don't care what God says or anybody else. And they're making it look like this is an attractive way to live. Look at all the women that that, that guy's got fallen all over him. Look at all the the men that are throwing themselves at this woman. 
look at these this particular way that they're living free of any of these legalistic rules that we have here in the Bible. They're living however they want. They don't think it's wrong, and it's just inviting to kind of look at that and think, man, is that okay to live that way? Take that picture of that person who looks like they're free, and then over here, Take a picture of what their insides look like because every time they participate in that sin, they become wrapped up in bondage to it. We see a lot of this um, through the people who deal with substance abuses, drugs and alcohol and they become bound by these things. They think they're free to run out there, just do whatever I want, and I want to live my own life, and I want to feel as good as I want to feel. And it looks like out, out here in the open that they're doing all this great stuff, but inside what you can't see is that every time they participate in these things, it becomes deeper and deeper and deeper in bondage. The evil man is captive to his own sins. They are the ropes that catch and hold him. That's what Solomon just said. He will die for a lack of self-control, and he will be lost because of his great foolishness. We have people running around in our culture publicly talking about their immoral escapades. They don't care anymore. There's no shame. We have people posting horrific TikTok videos, telling a story and saying goodbye to the child they just aborted. We have people openly and unashamedly celebrating the money that they make from the porn industry. We've got quote-unquote high-value men running around championing, championing their ability to run through a high number of women. The issue Solomon is telling us to stay away from is not somebody of the opposite sex. He's telling us to stay away from immoral people. I'm a living example of the repercussions of that last verse in 23. um, Without going into a ton of detail, my, my dad died at the age of 51. He had a lot of things that were um, going on in his life, some things that um, he, when he kind of wandered away from the faith and how he raised us, got involved in a number of things that would definitely fall under the category of immoral. Got involved with people who were immoral. Opened the door for him to participate in a lot of things that were immoral, and that led to several sicknesses that eventually ravaged his body. <clears throat> He, unfortunately, is an example of what happens when you'll be lost because of the great foolishness, and that foolishness is a lack of self-control, a lack of discipline, a lack of pushing away people who are immoral, that shutting off the, re- the relationships, creating a boundary between people who continually offer you opportunities to participate in immoral activities. And that loss is not only felt in my dad's life because he lost his life because of a lot of these decisions. 
we, the rest of his family who survived him, are dealing with the repercussions of those decisions because we lost him. There are moments in my life where I would have loved to be able to call my dad and ask him a question about parenting, about marriage, about life, about a job, about insight to anything. And that was gone. Graciously, God has given me people around me who have been able to kind of fill in at different points of my life, and I'm very grateful for those people. But here, this passage of Scripture just rang true with me because I'm living in the repercussions of someone else's decisions. I hope you're seeing the picture that Solomon is painting and how different it is when we talk about the subject of immorality, how different it is from how the world tries to paint the subject for Christians. Do you think that after what we just read and explained and studied, that the Bible is laying out a bunch of rules because there's just some uh, patriarchal uh, structure that wants to control what everybody does with their own bodies? Not at all. That's what the culture says. The culture accuses us of, uh, of all of these things, of wanting control over other people, wanting to control what they do with their bodies. You know, these men just want to control others, um, and they'll do what they want to with their bodies, but they're telling you, you can't do what you want, and that's all garbage. That's what all these rules are in the, bar, in the Bible, and I would say that is 100% incorrect. The wisest man to ever live other than Jesus who was given this wisdom bestowed onto him and into him from almighty God is giving us warnings that this immoral behavior is going to lead us to regret. He's not saying this because he wants to control or because God wants to control uh, what we do with our bodies. And he's just, it's some, you know, control structure. No. It is the way we guard our heart. To stay on the correct course, to avoid the people who are immoral, who entice us to sin. It is the way that we avoid the regret. It's the way that we avoid saying, I wish I would have listened to that person, my dad, my grandfather, somebody influential in my life, my pastor, whoever it was that was teaching me the right way to live. I wish I would have listened to them. If we guard our heart, we help ourselves avoid that moment. Guarding our help, our heart helps us keep our honor remain free of the bondage of sin, and may actually save our life, our physical life from an early death because of a lack of self-control. This isn't control, my friends. This is wisdom. It's wisdom. <clears throat> this is what Solomon and God through his spirit, speaking through Solomon to everyone who will listen, is calling us to. It's a life of wisdom. It's a life of making the correct judgment calls, not just in work or with our dreams or what we want to do with our life or our career. No, it's making the correct judgment calls in situations, in relationships. 
it's trying to define what immorality is based on his word. And then people who fall into that vein, we create distance with. There's a lot of people who will listen to this and think, well, I got friends and stuff that that I'm not going to be able to hang out with anymore. And I really like them. And I've known them since high school or we've gone through a whole bunch together. But part of the reason some of us stay close to those people who are immoral is because we are unwilling to let that desire in us die. We may not be participating in it all the time or very little, but we stay close enough to someone who is and we kind of feel like, man, vicariously through them, maybe that has been satisfied a little in us. And when we do that, we keep the door open, even if it's ever so slightly, the door is open to eventually wind up in an immoral position. I really believe that one of the reasons that God would have us speak on this at this moment is for people who, yes, need the wisdom to live a little bit differently, but also if you will heed the instructions of Solomon, if you will reject these immoral invitations today, could save your marriage. It could save your relationship with your kids. It could save your reputation. It could save your life. It could save a lot for you. This is not about trying to control you. For some of you guys that will listen to this, we'll never even meet and never have met. What it is is taking the insight, the wisdom, the understanding of Almighty God that has been given to Solomon and incorporating it in our own life. That's why he spends so much time at the beginning saying, listen, listen. Here's what I'm about to say. Give me your undivided attention because everything he just spelled out is vitally important for all of us, especially as a life of a believer. I'm praying that you will go back and read some of these scriptures for your own self, that you'll spend some time this week going through them, and that you will let their impact through the power of the Holy Spirit settle on you, and, and that God will show exact situations in your life. He will shine with a pinpoint accuracy some things in our own life where we're kind of flirting around with some immorality, flirting around with some things that we're allowing to stay around that we should be shutting the door on completely. I believe that if we live this way, there is a freedom that is in front of us and there is a freedom that is promised us in eternity from the consequences of sin, but you can be set free today from that sin.